Are you ready to bust out of the rut you're in? Do you want to take your life to a whole nother level? You aren't going to make significant change by doing what you've always done. You need a breakthrough, a circuit breaker. I've had some pretty big challenges and some pretty big breakthroughs in my life over the last few years, and I've found that the best way to break through, the best way to elevate my life is to challenge myself, to do something a bit scary, whether it be running an ultramarathon, jumping out of a plane, or speaking on stage to a thousand people. Every time I take on a challenge, I grow. And I grow not just in one area, but in every area of my life. And I didn't just jump out of the plane by myself, I jumped in tandem with an expert, someone who'd done it thousands of times before, someone who knew how to prepare and who knew how to execute. If you're ready to transform, if you're ready for exponential growth in your life, then head to www.drbretthill.com and check out Kokoda Elevation. It might be just the challenge you're looking for. TheWellnessCouch.com Streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by a fellow chiropractor, Dr. Lindsay Matthews. Lindsay started BirthFit out of her frustration with the information and care, or lack thereof, shown women in prenatal delivery and postpartum stages of birth. She constantly thought there's got to be a better way, and sometimes the better way is an uncharted path. She started uh, CrossFit, and she's hell-bent on changing what it means to be pregnant in this day and age. So, welcome to the show, Lindsay. Well, thank you for having me. It's going to be really exciting. This is a great topic to talk about. I was just saying to you uh, sort of off air, this isn't something we've really spoken about a lot yet on that Paleo show, uh, but it's such an important uh, journey. You know, it's one that we all went on at some stage at the start of our lives, and uh, or at least we're part of. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a really important thing to talk about and to consider, and, and sometimes it's not something that we do consider in advance, and, and often it's something that is sort of thrust upon us, and we, and we don't necessarily consider the active role we can play in the journey. We're sort of told that it's a bit of a, a passive thing that you just you know go along to the mm-hmm. hospital and you do as you're told and, and that's kind of it. So I'd really love to hear more about your journey. But let's start with your personal journey, Lindsay. What's been your experience in this area? Well, you know, if you would have asked me maybe 15 years ago if I would be working in the birth world, I would have said no a thousand times over again. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. I think... Um, the universe has definitely led me to where I am, and I 100% believe this is my calling. Um, I started out wanting to go to medical school based on, you know, and I won't bore you with my whole <laughs> life details, but um, I I had some injuries growing up, like blew out my knee, and you know, from there I thought, oh yeah, I'll be an orthopedic surgeon. That sounds good. Um, and so I was in the pre-med route and long story short, I had a life changing trip to Tanzania, Africa. And I realized that, um, I wasn't doing anything. I was just prescribing medication. I was just doing triage. And for me, I wanted to like touch people and like for a part of me, like I, I don't, I just realized that, um, you know, I wasn't really helping the people. And, um, when we were going to be gone, well, 
were they going to do without us? And so that was a semester in college and I took off the following semester to like kind of get my life back together and figure out what the next step was because I called home from Africa, you know, and, um, basically told my parents like, Hey, I'm not doing the medical school route. I, this just doesn't feel right to me. I don't know what I'm going to do, but, um, I need to figure it out. And they basically told me, you know, you can't come home. You're a grown up and you need to have a job. And so I did some negotiating skills. I said, let me come home for three months. I'll wait tables. I'll do whatever. Um, and when I came home for three months, I started shadowing, uh, different, like, it was all alternative health stuff. And, um, you know, I reconnected with this chiropractor that I had had during high school and it just clicked with me then. And from there on out, I, um, you know, I enrolled in chiropractic school or I applied and then I enrolled and, you know, the rest was history. And I ended up choosing a school out in California cause I'm originally from Texas and I chose a school in California because I'd never been to California before. I thought, why not? Um, so I packed up my stuff, moved out here, and uh, I met some awesome uh, chiropractors along my my journey in school, like uh, Dr. Billy DeMoss, who's leading the Cal Jam that's happening this weekend. Um, nice. Yeah, I met... Um, Dr. Jen Tiempo, you know, Dr. Jeremy Brooke, Dr. Arno Bernier, like just some legends. And um, Dr. Tim O'Shea, like he was another one that was pretty, like, pretty deep into my school by like the first year of Cairo school. And, um, you know, the having those guys as just leaders in front of you was huge. And then meeting people like Jeannie Ohm or um, the just awesome people but um I I came out of chiropractic school and you know a little bit lost and I entered the sports kind of rehab world and um I and I I thought that's what I wanted to do and um I would travel around the world on set with certain actors or actresses and basically get them ready mind body soul for whatever experience they were about to do, whether it be a, you know, a big scene or a big stunt, and um, then recover and do it all over again the next day. But um, probably about two and a half years into that, I realized that my, the fire inside me was like not burning at all. Hmm. So I came back to L.A., and I was like, I'm going to figure my life out. And um, I just started researching down the birth world. I think, um, I picked up a book and I honestly don't know how I picked up this book. It was, um, childbirth and the future of homo sapiens. And, um, it's a great book and, uh, it's written by Dr. Michelle Odent, who's a, uh, French OB-GYN. And he also wrote the book, do we need midwives? And uh, he's done a ton of research into this, um, into the subject, but I read that book and I was like, Oh my gosh, us as like a species, we're not going to make it if we keep going on the route that we're going as far as, um, birth is concerned, like the way human beings are brought into this world. And I was just floored and I read, read the book again. And then I was like online, what do I need to know? So then, um, 
I enrolled myself in doula training, hypnobirthing, childbirth educator training. And at that point, like, I was just like, give me all the information. I got, I got to figure it all out. Um, and so that's, that was kind of the start of my journey. And that was back in, um, 2009 and the rest has kind of been history. I started the birth fit blog in 2011 and, um, I think it was like 2012, 2013, there was some, there's one or two female Kairos that reached out to me and they were in North Carolina, Wisconsin and Dallas. And they basically said, you know, Hey, we like what you're doing. How do we, how do we get, be a part of this? Like we Mm. want in. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but, um, let's figure it out. So, um, we, that's how we started the regional director program, and we have 40, 41 regional directors now across the United hmm. States. Um, but yeah, and it's just kind of naturally evolved since then, and I you know, think the world definitely needs it. And th- I know it's exactly where I'm supposed to be because, um, I mean, it lights me up every day. And if we can just change the way human beings are brought into this world a little more consciously, a little more peacefully, then I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's a great journey and a really interesting journey in towards this uh, this topic, Lindsay. So I hope you don't mind me asking, Lindsay, but do you yeah. have children yourself? No, and that's that's the damnedest part about it. Um, so my mom, uh, whenever we were growing up, my mom owned two daycares. And I was, we were constantly around children. Um, like my, she, she had a baby daycare and then one that was a little older because like I, and it's different from state to state, but in Texas, there's a certain number of, um, teachers or providers that have to be in the room if there's a certain number of babies or infants under a certain age. And then as they get older, uh, the number of teachers per, uh, child, it can be a little more, you have a little more leeway there. But, um, during the summer when we were, you know, not in school, my brother and sister and I would, um, uh, basically have to work at the daycare. So (laughs) we were constantly around children. Um, and I don't like, I wasn't one of these kiddos that was like, Oh, I love babies or I love to babysit or anything like that. Um, I, I have always been one that like is very curious or questions authority and a little bit rebellious. So that probably plays a huge <laughs> like, part in like it. Like every other chiropractor on the planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. This last year, I've been doing um, I've been doing a lot of research into how I was brought into this world, and um, you know, just recently, I found out that. Um, I was brought into this world, I was a month early, which I was not induced, but I was a month early. And then um, uh, when I was born there, and my, you know, it's a little fuzzy for parents considering it's, you know, 35 years ago, but um, they said my esophagus wasn't quite developed and that um, I was uh, in and out of NICU, but I was never, you know, breastfed, I was never put skin to skin. And those are huge things now. And I think, um, you know, for people that grew up maybe in my generation or, you know, a little before and after, it was such a, a lot of the stuff 
was for convenience at that time. Like they brought out formula and it's like, Oh, women can go back to work. They don't have to be, they don't have to breastfeed, you know? Mm. It's like, well, breastfeeding is actually the best thing in the world. Like a little bit of education goes a long way. But, um, you know, at that time my mom was, um, super keen to get back to work, to be this career woman, uh, to be equal to her male counterparts. So I could, totally see where she didn't want to breastfeed, you know? Um, so super interesting. I've been doing a lot of work in that and, um, just the things that are attached to that. Yeah. And so you sort of started touching on it there, but you know, you've mentioned a couple of times sort of, I guess the, that there may be some challenges around the way we're doing birth at the moment. Um, what do you see as being the biggest challenges in terms of women having healthy natural births at the moment? Yeah. Um, well, I think that there's a number of things. Um, and it's maybe different, you know, Australia versus um, America. I like to believe Australia hmm. may have a, a, they may be a little better off than we are, but who knows? Do you, right? know, do you know, I think Australians <laughs> like to think that too. Uh, but actually, when you look at the statistics, um, we're actually very, very similar in terms of the way we treat all of our health, really, our health statistics across the board are actually strikingly similar to what you see in the U.S., and we tend to follow you guys probably far more than wow. we should. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so right now in the U.S., our C-section rate is probably about 33%, um, which is not not awesome. Um, and the World Health Organization recommends 10 to 15%. Uh, regardless of what's going on in the country. Uh, Like in the U.S., our autism rate is at an absurdly high amount. Um, And I think by 2032, it may be something like one in two or one in four, you know, if we don't reach that sooner. Mm. Um, And uh, the infant mortality rate, the maternal mortality rate, it's just, it's quite embarrassing for uh, a developed country or one that prides itself on, um, uh, you know, having a superior medical system, right? So Mm. we have all these shiny tools, these gadgets, and, you know, there's still a number of women that die in childbirth or a number of infants that die within the first year. And that's, that's really sad. And, um, you know, if you look at things like um, lifestyle sicknesses or the autism spectrum, mm. like all of that, you know, I, I'm not going to point fingers at one thing or another, but I strongly believe that uh, from conception to the end of the first year of life, that critical period for a mammal plays a huge role in that. And if we're doing things like separating the infant from mom or jabbing the infant with, you know, lots of injections or vaccines or stuff, you know, that maybe can wait, like eat whatever you believe in, you know, um, you know, I just think a peaceful, more supportive environment can go a long way in the first year of life. Yeah, and I think, you know, what we see in terms of birth perhaps reflects what we see across the board in terms of health, That is that, you know, as a general rule, our modern healthcare system is pretty good at keeping people alive. You know, we've been able to increase our life yeah. expectancy, we've been able to decrease our infant mortality rates, but 
when we look at quality of life, um, then then what we're seeing is perhaps quite a different story. You know, we're, we're quite good at keeping people alive, but we're not necessarily very good at keeping people healthy. And I think, you, right. know, they're, they're, you know, full credit to those doctors who are out there doing what they think is right and trying to do the best for these kids. And they are saving kids' lives and, and full right. credit to them for doing that. But, but we need to understand that there's more to health than being just being not dead. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between living and then a difference between thriving, you know, um, huge difference. And, you know, I'm like, here's a good example. Our whole team, like our regional director team, we each teach, uh, the birth fit prenatal series and the birth fit postpartum series. The birth fit prenatal series is our version of birth education, mm-hmm. but we're going to teach this from a non-biased, non-judgmental point of view. And, my regional director in Dallas, Dr. Jamie, she's a Cairo. And if you were to take her class, you would think she's the biggest hippie home birth advocate, but she's had two hospital births, you know? Um, and that's just the way she likes to do it. And we're going to support her 150%, you know? Um, so you were asking a while back, you know, what are the biggest concerns? And I think one of the biggest concerns is that, um, that women don't know they have an active role in this process. And like you were talking about, it's made to, it's just encouraged to be a passive process. And I think that's just the way that our medical system is set up. And um, unfortunately women are guided by insurance companies, finances, um, or just like kind of a fixed mindset. Oh, Mm. it's probably this way. Or it's this way because of a reason and I'm just going to go with it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think often they're made to feel like they don't have a choice and often they're quite directly right. told that they don't have a choice and, and, and they believe that. You know, they, they think that, totally. well, okay, well, I'm just going to have to do what I'm told. I don't have a choice in this when in reality, the truth is very much the opposite of that. Totally. And if you could, yeah, if you just believe that you have a choice or that... There, with everything, there's a choice, and sometimes it just takes taking ten breaths, stepping back, and then okay, what are my what's choice A, choice B here? What am I going to go with? And weighing the risk and benefits of everything. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that that when it comes to birth and babies and children, that that whatever choice you make is right for you, you know, and, and it's up to you to make the choice that's right for you and you will make the best choice with the information you've got at hand. So, you know, yes. I, I, I think that's really important for all mothers to understand. As you said, you know, there's a time and a place for these interventions and if that's been your journey going through with your children, then there's absolutely no judgment about that whatsoever. That was the journey that was right for you. And, you know, as you learn more about that and more about the impacts that that can have on your children, then you have the opportunity to do something about that as well and to help those children even more, um, you know, to to progress and to grow and to thrive healthily as well, understanding that, yes, you know, there are benefits to those interventions and, yes, there sometimes can be complications to those interventions, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, moms are doing the best they can and, you know, that's – our number one goal is to support them in whatever decisions they make. So, 
man, they've got a tough job. <laughs> yeah. So, Lindsay, let's talk a bit about BirthFit. Um, you know, what, what does the program entail? What sort of stuff are we able to help mums with in terms of ensuring that they are prepared for birth as absolute best they can be and, and get the best outcomes in terms of birthing and interventions and, and all of those sort of gamut of decisions and things they have to think about as they go through the process? Right. So we like to tell people they can be as involved with us as they want, um, both near and far. Moms can just listen to the podcast or read the blogs and, you know, maybe that's it. And they participate from afar like that. Or if they're here in person with us, they can take chiropractic, they can take fitness classes, they can do the whole gamut. Um, we have four pillars, fitness, nutrition, chiropractic, and mindset. And we strongly believe that each of those pillars plays a part in preparing a woman, mind, body, and soul for this motherhood transition. And, you know, the amount of fitness or training is going to look different from person A to person B. The amount of mindset practice or training is going to be a little different from person A to person B. Um, and just like chiropractic care, you know, um, somebody may need to see me twice a week where another person may come in every other week. Um, yeah. And nutrition definitely is a unique, uh, unique to the individual. So, that's kind of our roadmap we start with is, okay, these four pillars. And then if somebody comes in to the office or maybe they call us to do a birth fit basics consultation, we go from there. We kind of find out where they're at in each of these four pillars. So and, let, let's let's talk yeah. about each of those four pillars. So if we look at fitness, for example, um, you know, there, there's a lot of confusion with mums about what they can and can't do in terms of fitness right. as they go through pregnancy. So what sort of stuff do you recommend to mums in terms of <laughs> exercise uh, throughout pregnancy? For sure. So I'll try to give you this in a nutshell because this could be a whole. I mean, this yeah. is, this is a three day seminar now. Um, <laughs> So fitness, our main goals are to increase endurance, stamina, strength, balance, and flexibility. Those are part of the 10 physical skills or characteristics that you may see presented in a CrossFit level one class or, you know, really good strength and conditioning coach might have these on the wall somewhere. These are five of those skills, um, or characteristics, excuse me. Um, from there, we, like to train either two days a week or four days a week. We'll train three days a week, depending on the mom, but two or four. And uh, we for sure, for sure, for sure like to have um, two rest days a week. And this means full rest days, like nothing, nothing's happening. Um, our programming's very unique in that we utilize the conjugate method type of programming. So, Let's say if we're doing a four-day-a-week four training week, then Monday would be a lower-body-focused day. Tuesday would be an upper-body-focused day. Wednesday would be a complete rest day. Thursday would be focused on lower body. Friday would be upper body. There would be a strength portion. Uh, there would be a warm-up with breath work, uh, a little bit of meditation, some quality movements, and then there would be a little conditioning, and then we'd finish with some accessory type of movements. Um, and that's kind of how each week looks. We have lower body Monday, lower body Thursday, and that gives the central nervous system adequate time to recover 
as far like you you know you got two full days in between before you even touch the lower body again. Um, and so, and what do you, what do you find yeah, the biggest misconceptions for for mums around training whilst pregnant? I mean, uh, and and how do you sort of overcome the barriers? I guess where often there could be a bit of fear for mums around training, where they will feel that perhaps if I work out too hard, I might bring on my pregnancy early, or you know those sort of things as well. For sure, there's the that's a great misconception um, that working out too hard or um, lifting too much weight or um, um, those are probably the biggest ones. But um, you know, there's certain guidelines we have as far as load and training, and I explain you know a little bit of our training days, and that's how we keep tabs on people. But um, there's a great book. And it's called Exercising Through Your Pregnancy. It was written by an MD, Dr. James Clapp. And he has wonderful studies in there. And, um, you know, a lot of the studies were actually done on um, runners and people that did a lot of cardio. And they were working out four and five days a week. And then he has some other studies in there with strength training. And some of the biggest benefits of incorporating strength training at least twice a week are that there's the amount of aches and pains and you know that are super common with the musculoskeletal system during pregnancy are almost non-existent if a mom has been training continues to train smart you know has the guidance of um a really intelligent coach that knows what they're doing um women that work out consistently and intelligently through their pregnancy tend to have um babies that come on time, meaning around their due date, as opposed to, let's say, their sedentary counterpart, which the baby may come late. But also, these babies have been shown to be at an appropriate weight and um, perform well on all the cognitive tests. Um, So, exercise, huge benefits there. And by exercising through your pregnancy, you're also preparing yourself for the postpartum period to help yourself recover, help your pelvic floor recover, help your core recover, and you know to make the transition a little smoother. So, Dr. Lindsay, let's talk about some food as well. I mean, uh, what what particular requirements and, and extra things do mums need to think about as they're going through pregnancy um, in terms of fueling and nourishing their body? Oh, my gosh. Um I would say the biggest thing is good fats. We don't eat enough good fats. And we're developing a baby and you're developing um, a brand new nervous system. And that means a brain. And you're going to need all the good fats you can get. So if you can get some amazing grass-fed beef and we eat the fat, organ meats, that good stuff. Like It's something I don't know why our culture just got away from. And... um, you know, I think in the 80s and 90s, people were scared to death to eat fat, but fat is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when you understand that the human brain is about 80% fat and that actually the brain and the nervous system is the first thing that develops in your baby, um, yeah. then you realize how important it is to be getting those nutrients in so that you can provide them to the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the other thing that often happens with mums as they go through pregnancy is they start to put on a little bit of extra weight um, and that's such a really <laughs> healthy thing you know it's once again it, 
often there's the misconception that eating fat makes you put on fat and we know that that's not true now but we also understand that that gaining some weight and having some extra fat stores in your body as a mum is actually a really important thing you know you your breast milk is a high percentage of fat um, and so you're going to have to have some stores there that you can actually use to feed and nourish this growing developing human that you will be feeding after you've given birth Um, so you know, what do you say to mums when they're concerned about their weight during pregnancy? Obviously, you know, you can gain too much weight you know, or, or more than is necessary weight during pregnancy. But for many mums, they're concerned about gaining weight when actually they should be just, you know, understanding that's part of the process and quite a healthy thing too. Oh, for sure. And I think, a, you know, honestly, a big part of that is working through some of the mindset stuff. Uh, we are so lucky that we have um, – we have this woman, Melissa Hemphill, on our team, and she was trained at the Institute for Psychology of Eating, and she does what we call mind-body nourishment consultations, because especially for women, I would say there's such um, a connection between emotions and food and um, just the brain and body and behavior, and you know, a lot of women, um, they... They, they get so attached to their pre-baby body. And part of what we discuss with our moms and our families is that, you know, it's okay to mourn this pre-baby body. Like, unfortunately, that's a chapter in our lives that is going to be closed and it's never, never going to be reopened. So if there is sadness there and, um, you know, a little bit of heartache, it's that's appropriate. That's normal. And you know, we allow some space for mom to uh, grieve over that. But then also opening the next door, opening the new chapter for this evolution of what your body has done and who you are becoming. And we we like to call this stage the queen in training. Um, and we, we take our whole first postpartum, like the first year postpartum, and that's, we refer to this as the queen in training. And, um, you know, the postpartum period is such a beautiful time to recalibrate, reset a foundation. And if we can just change that mindset, and if mom can realize that, you know, okay, she's, she'll, she'll keep on an extra probably 10 to 15 pounds, you know, as she's breastfeeding, for baby and her body is doing that because her body innately knows what to do. Yeah. And that's a freaking amazing thing. Like nature's so powerful. And um you know the I, I I just think changing the mindset is such a huge valuable thing and if we can start to look at food as effective or ineffective rather than attaching all this moral behavior to it or attaching emotions or weight or weight loss to it, then we can come out on the other side so much more powerful. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we're pretty much out of time here, Dr. Lindsay, but I think that's a beautiful (laughs) way to finish, which is just understanding just how beautiful and how powerful the human body is and and how incredible these mums are and and what their body is capable of in terms of giving birth and i think so That's often true. we don't give it enough credit for what it can do and we don't give have enough faith in our bodies and and the capabilities of our bodies to understand that birth is actually a very natural a very beautiful thing that I, and our bodies are incredibly intelligent about knowing what to do and when to do it and how to do it you know i can remember watching 
my kid's mum go through the process of, of birth and, and both of our children <laughs> were born at home and in a very natural birth and and it was an incredible thing to watch and to experience you know I think I've probably you know never been as proud of their mum as, as I was you know watching yeah. her and the way she went through that journey and through that process and and at the same time I've probably never been so in awe of the human body mm-hmm. and its capabilities and what it's actually able to do and achieve and, and the fact that really at least in this case, you know, it didn't need any help. It was it was just phenomenal no. in its capabilities yeah. to to do that process. So I think, you know, if if women can go away from this interview with an understanding of just how amazing they are and how amazing their body is, I, th- I think that'd be a great thing in and of itself. Oh, for sure. the The female body is uh, is so powerful, and it's it's birth is magic. <laughs> yeah. I'm in awe every time I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Just a phenomenal thing to, to witness and to be part of. So, yeah. um, Dr. Lindsay, as I said, we are out of time, but people are going to want to find out more about you. So, they can head to your website, which is birthfit.com. They can find out all about your coaching, your consultation. You've got ebooks, you've got podcasts, you've got blogs, you've got seminars, you've got the whole works there. So, so everyone head yeah. over there and check that out. And, uh, and obviously, they can find you on social media. Uh, it is BirthFit on Facebook and BirthFit on Instagram. So, that makes it really easy for everyone. Um, <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming on board today, Dr. Lindsay. Well, thank you for having me. For Absolutely. sure, it was great. Absolute pleasure. So, for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.